I want to uh, share a little bit with you tonight before we um, receive communion. And I want to just share with you a thought that um, I had put on my heart. I, I begin reading in First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of a perfect heart. A perfect heart. First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. It is interesting to study what it means to have a perfect heart. Um, In the passage that I read to you, uh, David is instructing his son Solomon, who is to be the king. Of course, David was up in years and his days were numbered. But he told his son Solomon to serve the Lord with a perfect heart. And if he would, that the Lord would be with him. And he talks about how that was so crucial. Later on, we read in Scripture where uh, David was uh, a man who had a perfect heart. What does that mean? How is that measured to have a perfect heart? We also read that Solomon uh, did, did not. He started out, but the Bible says that he uh, did not have a perfect heart because he married so many wives and they uh, took him into uh, different beliefs. He married daughters of uh, neighboring countries uh, so that those kings would never come and fight him. Uh, strategically, that was a smart thing to do because he didn't have to spend his money building a big war machine. He didn't have to spend a lot of money on war. And, of course, he was able to build the temple that's commonly referred to as Solomon's Temple. And he was able to uh, accumulate great wealth, one of the wealthiest men uh, to ever live, certainly was at that time. Uh, And because of uh, the great wisdom that God gave him, he made a lot of wise decisions. But uh, in this case, he he got a divided heart. He he took uh, many, many wives unto himself, and they... Uh, brought with them their religions and their beliefs. And and so they would say, you know, Solomon, I, I left my country, but, you know, I have a belief, and I'd like for you to build a temple too to my God. And so uh, he, he, he began to allow this, and different temples were made to all these different gods. But then that wasn't enough. And they'd say, well, Solomon, you know, I go with you to your temple, but why don't you come with me to my temple? And so he would go, you know, to their temple. And it, after a while, his heart was divided, and it pulled his heart in many different directions. But David, uh, the Bible says, uh, kept a perfect heart. And so what is it that allows us to have a perfect heart? As we uh, consider tonight that we would uh, take of this supper, and the Bible describes how that when we receive communion, that we should search our hearts. And what would it uh, mean for us to have a pure, unadulterated, perfect heart? Well, I believe that... uh, in Matthew, we see this in Matthew 18, uh, that when Jesus was teaching his disciples uh, about forgiveness, that Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Uh, again, this was a case where the Lord was trying to teach uh, his disciples, and Peter in particular, uh, about forgiveness. 
And uh, the reason I call your attention to this is because I do believe that uh, forgiveness is the secret to having a perfect heart. And so Peter uh, said, Lord, how many times? Let's be specific. Let's, let's know exactly how many times that we have to forgive. And he said, seven? Is it seven? And I'm no doubt um, Peter thought that seven was uh, a good answer because seven, you know, is the, is the number of completion. And certainly he felt like seven was uh, the proper number of times that you would have to forgive. But the Lord said to him, no, not seven, but 70 times seven, which we know is 490. Now, when we think about this, we know that everything in Scripture is done for a very specific reason. It's not just, you know, an arbitrary number, this 490. There was a reason why the Lord told Peter 70 times seven. Certainly, yes, seven is the number of completion. But 490 times, this must have come as quite a shock to Peter because he thought seven was certainly adequate. But 490? Well, there's a reason why Jesus said 490. He never wasted a word. So the number of times that he instructs us to forgive must have some significance. But what is it? Well, one thing that we have talked about in the past, and we know for a fact, is that every word in Hebrew has a numerical value. And these values frequently communicate uh, deeper spiritual insights. We know that uh, is certainly the case here. Uh, And we know, like, for example, when earlier when Peter was having a crisis of faith after the crucifixion of Jesus, he told his disciples, I go efficient. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before I met Jesus. But they fished all night without any success. Not one fish. (laughs) You're never going to be better off, ladies and gentlemen, walking away from Jesus. He's never going to allow you to be more successful going back to a life of sin. He said, I go fishing. I'm going to go back to being a fisherman. I'm tired of all this. I've wasted these years of my life following Jesus. Now he's crucified. And they fished all night and did not catch one fish. But then, as the daybreak started to come, and it was a little hazy, but they could see somebody standing over there on the shore. And as they got closer, it looked like it was their friend Jesus. But it couldn't be Jesus. They had saw him crucified. But as they got closer, it became more and more convincing that indeed it was Jesus. Then Jesus told his disciples to cast their net on the other side of the boat, and they did. And their nets were full of fish. One of the Gospels, uh, John, tells the exact number of fish that they caught, 153. When we were uh, standing there on the banks of uh, the Sea of Galilee where they believe this story took place, and our guide from Israel was telling us this story, he asked how many fish was caught, and my father said 153, and he said that's exactly right. And then he told us, you know that there's a number that's associated with every Hebrew word. He said, yes, absolutely. He said, do you know what the number 153 means. And we did not know, but he told us it means Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Oh, my friend, you serve a God of details. He even knew the number of fish 
that they were to catch and to put in their net so that he could remind the disciples, you did not waste your life following me. I remind you today, you've never wasted one service that you came and you remembered the price that was paid at Calvary. And you remembered that Jesus is a faithful friend. He is a God of exactness. He is a God of precision. He was saying, Jesus is God. Jesus was reminding his disciples. So it's not far-fetched to understand that when Jesus said to Peter that he needed to forgive 70 times 7, that there was something to the meaning of 490, something significant. Well, as we begin to research this, we found that the number 490 is the numerical value of the biblical Hebrew word tamim, which means complete or perfect or finished. A person who can't forgive will always live an imperfect and incomplete life that lacks true understanding of the finished, gracious work of the cross. The number 490 is also the value of the Hebrew phrase, let your heart be perfect. 490. Forgiving helps us to be complete. It's the key to perfecting our hearts before the Lord. If we want to have a perfect heart, we have to have a forgiving heart. And we have to keep on forgiving over and over and over again until one day the Lord comes back for His church. I say to you today, there's never a place you get to where you can quit forgiving. You've got to keep on forgiving. Even those that you have forgiven many times before. But there are even deeper connections. Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. Bethlehem. Laham is house. Bet is bread. So Bethlehem means house of bread. In Hebrew, the word for my nativity, Moladati, and Bethlehem is the equivalent to the numerical value 490. Bethlehem, literally in Hebrew, has the equivalent value of 490. This makes perfect sense. Since Jesus was born, he was born for the distinct purpose that we could be forgiven. Bethlehem and forgiveness is each associated with bread in the Lord's Prayer, which says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there is a link between bread and forgiveness. There is a link between Bethlehem and forgiveness. Just like a person can't live without their daily bread, an individual can't survive without forgiveness. So when Jesus prepared his disciples for the crucifixion with the Last Supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, take and eat. This is my body that is broken. The house of bread had to be broken for humanity to be forgiven. Bethlehem had to go through Golgotha for there to be forgiveness for you and I. He was born... He was broken and he was buried for the singular purpose of forgiveness. So on this Christmas Eve, 
as we gather under the glow of candlelight in this house, I'd ask that you would consider perfecting your heart through forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone that you have forgiven many times before. But Bethlehem is calling us to a place of perfection. The house of bread has once again brought us to the altar of forgiveness. Is there any greater gift that you could give than the gift of forgiveness? Many times as we come to this moment, we consider what it is in our life that we need to put before the Lord. I felt impressed all of this week to share with this church that I believe tonight that when we receive of this supper, that we should examine our hearts and we should forgive everything, everyone, everybody, so that our heart can be perfected before the Lord on this Christmas Eve. Life is too short to live with unforgiveness. Why not give the gift of forgiveness this Christmas? Oh, sure, you can give some gift, some trinket, something that'll wear out, run out of batteries, go out of style, get stuck in a closet. Or you can give the gift of forgiveness and say, I want my heart to be perfect. David served God with a perfect heart, not because he was a perfect person and not because he was without sin, but because David was quick to forgive. He forgave the king that tried to kill him. He forgave the rich man that tried to starve him. He forgave his son that betrayed him, his wife that mocked him, the men that cursed him. He was quick to forgive. So when he needed forgiveness, God was quick to forgive him. Oh, my friend, if you'll be quick to forgive others, he's going to be quick to forgive you. You say, oh, well, I don't need forgiveness. Oh, yes, you do. Everybody in this building... Everybody breathing air. Everyone under the sound of my voice needs forgiveness. And if you give it away, it will come back again and again and again until it is perfected, until it is finished. Would you stand?